This episode of a Quick Time Out podcast is presented by Dr. Dish Basketball. Dr. Dish machines are the most advanced shooting machines on the market. If you haven't already, join top programs like Duke, North Carolina, Baylor, Alabama, and countless others and upgrade to Dr. Dish. And now save an extra $300 on select models when you mention Quick Time Out podcast. To find out more, visit drdishbasketball.com. Really excited about today's guest. He's currently the head coach at Piedmont College, an NCAA D3 school in the northeast part of Georgia. Coach Craig Neely. Coach, great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it very much. Yeah, Coach Neely's a great friend and uh, has had a lot of success both at, at Warren Wilson College, where he was at before this, and then also there at Piedmont College. And uh, our Bruins team plays Piedmont each year. And so I've had a front row seat to what we're going to talk about today. And I wanted to have Coach Neely on to, to talk zone defense, but this isn't necessarily the traditional zone defense that you, you typically see. Coach, for someone who hasn't seen your team play, how would you describe your defense? We are trying to not be traditional zone defense like you talked about, Coach. And, and you guys attack us better than anybody, so I, I appreciate uh, you saying those things. But, no, we, we are trying to be a pressure zone defense, I think is a good way to put it. Um, we've been fortunate enough to lead the league in turnovers here the past couple of years. So it, it's not in traditional pack it in two, three, like maybe you see in like you did in middle school or that kind of stuff. And and, and I think one of the biggest challenges we have is, is trying to eliminate that negative stereotype where a lot of people hear zone and they think passive, don't work as hard, soft. Uh, we are trying to be the opposite, work harder, aggressive, extended, um, really, you know, getting after it in the zone. Let's start like at the very beginning. You're teaching it to your guys and introducing it to them because I would assume that a lot of them – if they haven't seen you play a whole lot, like you talk, start talking in zone and they start reverting back or thinking back to what you just described you didn't want That's to right. be. So starting day one, scratch with yeah. those guys, what kinds of things are you telling them? Um, what are maybe the core principles that you're communicating to them? What's the foundation that you have to lay at the start? And, and we're, we're going to get X and O here in a second, but I want to reiterate what I said at the beginning in that we have to dispel the negative stereotype that they have, that we are going to still be a good defensive team. We're going to work really hard. We're going to be tough. We're going to find a way to rebound. All those things that get sometimes pegged with zone, that we are not going to be those things. We're going to be the opposite of those things. And so we have to lay that framework and foundation first. And once we have that, we dive into you know, what what the important parts are. And, and for us, it's an extended 2-1-2 zone. So our guys on top are going to pick up the ball around the volleyball line. And, and if your court doesn't have a volleyball line, it's between the half court line and the three point line. So that's that's the biggest first difference in that we're not sitting inside a three point line, going to let you pass it however you want and walk into your stuff. Uh, we're going to be extended and try to dictate to your point guard um, where the ball is going to go, where they can pass it, where they can't. Um, and that's where it starts. So that energy and and how 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 active we are on top of the zone, uh, the top two guards is where it starts. We'll put our center about 15 feet away from the rim. Uh, free throw line is his starting place. And, and above the free throw line is where we put him heels uh, just above the free throw line. And then we have our two forwards that we call forwards um, that start above the block. So an extended 2-1-2 zone uh, is what we're talking them through first. And, and really putting an emphasis on the pressure part of it. Like we are, we want to dictate to the offense, not the offense dictate to us. So let's talk about each of those positions and kind of break it down. Um, starting with 
the top two, I would assume the top two have the same responsibilities and then we can yes. kind of work our way down there. But starting with those top two, top two guards, what are the, what are their primary responsibilities? No doubt. So in the, the core of it, those two guards, like we said, are going to be at the volleyball line. So between half court and the three point line, and they are active, what we call stunting. And so they're going to use their inside hand and their inside foot. So if you can imagine, um, you know, the, the closest hand and closest foot to the point guard, if the point guard's coming right down the middle of the court. Um, and so they're going to stunt. They're going to jab their foot at them, keep their hand up. And their core responsibility from the beginning is to make sure the pass from the top to the wing goes over their head. If we have a direct line pass from top to wing, they're not high enough. They're not working hard enough. Um, so if you can kind of picture it in your head, you're up high, stunting inside hand, inside foot, making the point guard pass over your head from top to wing. And that's where it's got to start. And we tell those guys on top, if they're not working hard, if they're not getting after it, then why would our center, why would our forward do that thing, right? Like those are the guys that are, our centers and forwards are watching the guards and how hard they're working. And so uh, we want to mix our looks to the other team's point guards. So sometimes we might have one guard up, one guard back. Sometimes we might have both up a, a step higher than normal to pick it up uh, even more. If it's a point guard that can't shoot as much, we might back that back up a little bit more. Um, so we have some flexibility with those guys on top. Um, we tell them a lot that we want to vary the looks. Uh, we don't want to just keep throwing fastballs at them. We, we, we want to mix. We want to, you know, uh, vary our, our levels of pressure. But at the core of it, those two guards, the pass goes over their head to the wing. Uh, then they will chase that pass over their head and play the wing straight up. And we are more traditional like a 2-3 zone where it is free throw line extended up. Our guards are going to play that ball um, straight up. Um, but for the guards, they'll chase that pass over their head and then play the ball on the wing. Um, we'll kind of work our way down, and we can dive deeper into each position uh, if you want, Tony. But, you know, on top, that's the guards. And then the center, he is going to be 15 feet away from the rim all the time and always between the ball and the rim. So wherever the ball goes, it's the simplest position that we have in the zone. He is always ball and rim 15 feet. So if you think about it from an offensive perspective, if I'm looking at the rim with the ball, I should always see that center between me and the basket. And so there's no direct line pass. There's no direct line drive because the center is always going to be between the ball and the rim 15 feet. Um, and that's a really important part. So our guards can feel, you know, freedom to pressure the ball as much as possible because they know if they get beat off the dribble, if there's a pass or whatever, none of those are going to be direct line to the rim because our five man, our center is always between ball and basket. Um, easiest job on the court too. Um, if, if you have someone with size that that maybe isn't doesn't have the highest basketball IQ, like that's the place we say to put them, put them between ball and rim, simplest position. And then our forwards, um, they are kind of our back line of the defense. They're our best communicators. They have to communicate cutters, ball screens, penetration, any of that kind of stuff. They are our best communicators on the back line. Um, they are making sure any lobs that they go chase so there's no layups or dunks at the basket. And then on that first initial pass that we talked about at the beginning, that is from top to wing. So point guard dribbles it down, throws it over our guard's head to the wing. The forward is going to go play that pass for a second, then back to their original spot. Um, and then our forwards will also always play the ball, anything below the free throw line, outside the three-point line, our forwards are playing that as well. So um, I know it's a lot, I'm talking fast, but um, each positional group has their own responsibilities. We rep those positional groups individually to make sure um, that they get good at those. And um, all five positions, or all those 
three spots have to work together. All five guys have to work together and uh, and do their job for it to be successful. So let me kind of go back and this. Yeah. I'll try to keep it a little bit organized here. But so let me start at the top there. I'm asking this and I'm trying to think about it from a perspective, just, you know, having seen it in, in person and hearing what you said and s- certain things may not stick out as to like why or that's a big deal. Right. You kept saying throwing it over the top. That's right. um, I feel like especially in most zones, especially the ones that aren't um, aggressive. Yeah. that are kind of more like traditional, even if you play them well, like that it's quick east to west um, by playing in that manner and the ball going over the top, that kind of slows things down for you to at least get out there to guard on the wings, right? A hundred percent. Like it, it is the number one zone buster for us. If you can pop that ball from top to wing, we're toast. It allows that center to get 15 feet ball and rim and be the protector. It gives our forward a chance to go play it for a second to buy the guard time. So it's all interconnected, right? Like, so if you imagine the guards and forwards together, that passes over the head, the forward will come play it for a second and then the guard will go chase it because it's a longer run for the guard because the guard is starting higher up. But because the pass is lobbed and over the head, it buys time for everybody. So you're you're 100% correct. The other nuance that goes with the guards, too, that you don't think about is, let's say the ball is on the wing. The guard is playing it straight up. The wing passes the ball to the top. So the first movement for our guard defender is up in the passing lane, then out towards the ball. We don't for the same concept, right? We don't no passes from top to wing. So if I'm the guard guarding it on the wing and I just slide into the elbow like a normal traditional zone, well, now they can throw it right back to the wing, right? And go wing top, right back to wing. And so the first movement for that defender is up, then out towards the ball, always trying to take away that pass from top to wing and making sure it's a lob, not a direct line pass. I maybe should have asked this first because this may be the first part of it. Are you telling guys to funnel towards the center of the floor? We are not, um, but the center of the floor is where most of the drives are going to be funneled. So at the top, we are not. On the baseline, we are. No baseline drives, um, and we are okay getting beat. And that's where one thing that's different. We want to pressure, and if you get beat off the dribble, it is okay. And when you're going to get beat for in our zone, it is going to be middle. So I don't like to use the word funnel because it's like just let them go, but we want to pressure, and if you get beat, that's okay, and it's normally going to be middle. A quick timeout is presented by Huddle, the market leader in video-based analysis solutions for basketball teams around the world. Huddle continues to make advancements to their suites of performance analysis solutions. Tools you know like Sports Code are enhanced by their industry-leading tech like Huddle Focus, an AI-powered smart camera that's built to integrate into Sports Code right out of the box. It captures and uploads videos automatically from any gym. Head over to huddle.com slash a quick timeout to get a peek at all they're bringing to the hardwood for every level of the game this season. Coaches, let me tell you about Corkhart, our newest partners here at A Quick Timeout Podcast. The Corkhart is an innovative storage solution that lets you lock up to 24 men's or 30 women's basketballs, add the court board, and with the Corkhart court board package, you can have a locking ball court whiteboard combo. To find out more, visit courtcart.com. Again, that's courtcart.com. Okay, yes. so the middle guy there. Yes. Uh, a lot of teams will position one or sometimes even two guys kind of in that free throw elbow area, especially the way the alignment for you all is set up. And that, this is kind of hard because people are listening. You may not be able to see this, but I have found for you all, like you play almost like the middle third of the floor right. and it sounds you're like, well, we'll just attack on the outside and beat them. It, it doesn't work like that. 
And a large part of it goes to what you just said with those top two guys. If they're doing their job, I feel like the teams almost naturally funnel towards the middle of the floor to at least start the possession. It's just how it works. And that's where the second guy is extremely important. But what are you telling him as far as guarding somebody there at the free throw line? Because I know most teams or a lot of teams at least will one, three, one offensive alignment a lot of times. What are you telling the guy there at the at the free throw line that's playing somebody who or some buddies who are th- who are there at the free throw line extended? Yeah, no doubt. And, and like you said, this I know it's challenging to just hear us talking through this, but like um, it's all interconnected and hopefully it'll, it'll start clicking some for our centers. The first big or one of the big things for them is that this is not a matchup zone. This is a zone. So, Tony, like if, if you guys put three across the free throw line or whatever, like we don't care about the bodies. We care about your position. And if there's a body in the spot where you're supposed to be, then we can play that guy. We might three quarter wrap him uh, full front him. But the center has to get to his spot, regardless of where you're going to put offensive players. If there happens to be one in our spot, then we'll play that one there. And so it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. If the center worries about an offensive player and not getting to their position. Now there is straight line ball to rim. And that can be direct line drive pass. That can be direct drive. um, But he's got to get between ball and rim at that position. And so in the alignment you kind of described, you can imagine, once again, like the ball's right in the middle of the floor, right? Right in the middle at the volleyball line, let's say. Our two guards are up playing it. Our center is right there at the free throw line. And it's almost like a soft triangle, like you said, almost funneling middle between those three guys. But it looks so congested because we've got our five man there. His arms are wide, taking up a bunch of space. We've got the two guards harassing you up top. So you're not comfortable. And you're offensively, you're thinking, well, my easiest pass is going to be to throw it over the guard's head to the wing. And that's exactly what we want. Like it's advantage us. We're going to, you know, rotate that one and be good. Um, We can also slide the forwards up who start just above the block. So if you're going to put you know, guys on the elbows, we'll slide those forwards up to make it look more congested because there's normally nobody behind them as well. And so all interconnected. But back to your question, it is this is a zone. It is not a matchup zone. It is a zone in the purest form. And so center ball and rim, get to your spot. Um, and if there's a guy in your spot, then make sure he does not keep you from getting to your spot. And that guy will play behind the offensive player in relationship to the to if somebody's in his spot not correct. not matching up correct correct and we might we we for our five men we'll three quarter them a little bit right but still making sure you're mobile and we'll actually practice some where we'll put a, a, an offensive player in the high post we'll put our defensive player in the in the right behind them and we'll throw them passes and we'll have the defensive player practice stealing that um, I think we can bait that pass uh, we had a kid two years ago who mm-hmm. you know was top in the steal who got a ton of steals doing that. Also, I think in that center position, it's a great place to take charges and offensive fouls, too. Uh, But, yes, we will practice baiting that one and and trying to get steals there for sure. Yeah, I was going to mention that if you didn't. You could tell the primary purpose was to stay in between the ball and the basket. And he would – he was fantastic at it. Would just bait you to throw it to that guy and timed it perfectly and got a ton of steals there. So, yeah. All right, so the bottom two guys now – and you mentioned, you know, prime – priority don't give up baseline there yes um i think we've already alluded to like ball goes over the top this is where they're coming out and kind of taking that until i don't know if you use the terminology but i'm, I'm sure most will kind of like bump them back down is that kind of the idea so, that, you, that you do 
So that's traditional zone. And it, it is it is a bump, but we don't bump and wait on it. So um, like that's that's the term when we get freshmen. That's the term they know is bumping. Mm-hmm. And it's that concept. But it's, there's no verbal or any of those things like we rep the closeout for the forward where you are up. You give a hand and then you go right back down. You don't wait on the cue. You'll be too late. So it's and you know the guard is coming. So it's up hand and right back down to your spot, trying to find the guy, you know, kind of in your ear. So if there's one in the short corner, we might go closer to the short corner. If there's an extra guy in the corner, we might cheat more to the corner. So the one area where we do match up a little bit is in the forward spot, just matching up with the guy that's either in the corner, short corner, wherever that might be. And the forwards work together in tandem. So if, if I'm a forward and, and Tony, you're a forward, and if you're out closing out and trying to guard the short corner, I'm going to cheat over some more and help with any middle cutter, anybody that wants to cut down the middle. You know, traditional zone is a lot of three around two, hit the short corner, dive down the middle or whatever that might be. So we are working in tandem, helping protect the basket because our center is always 15 feet away from the rim. Our forwards also have to be our best rebounders on the backside um, because our center is always on ball side. The forward is normally the backside rebounder. And we, as we know, most shots go to the backside, especially jump shots. And so um, they have to work the backside and, and be our rebounders. A, a lot of people will try to post our forwards. Um, so they got to be physical and they can't get pinned in. So sometimes people will put forwards, offensive forwards down there and try to screen our guys so they can't get that hand up close out. So we work a lot on, on you know, that constant dance and not getting pinned in and making sure you can fight over the top and get out. And so, Physical, our forwards have to be tough guys. Like they got to get in there and be willing to mix it up uh, with guys that are bigger than them. But they also have, have opportunities to get cross court steals and they can get deflections too. And and um, it, it does not require as much effort as the guard position, but it requires more physicalness um, around the rim and being willing to rebound. Last thing, kind of in relationship to positions, if a coach is hearing this and they're thinking, because I'm sure one of the main things they're thinking about is, how does that fit with my personnel? And I've played against you now long enough where I've seen you actually use different personnel in different spots. So is it fair to say you don't necessarily have to have an exact fit for all five of these positions? No, no question. Um, And that's one reason why we moved to it away from man to man defense. Um, You know, we we just felt like we were like everybody else when we were man to man and we want to do something different. Um, and, And I think, you know, we had interchangeable parts and we could play guys on the top and the bottom. Um, I think it takes time to do that. We don't teach them top and bottom both on the same day. Um, for us, it's master one, and then let's go get good at the second one instead of, you know, in this first day of practice, hey, do the top, now go take some reps at the bottom. I think for when it's new and, and some of the concepts that we're talking about are so much different than anything they've ever done defensively in their in their basketball life, that it's more master one than do the other. But we've had multiple guys do both positions forward and guard or forward and center and uh, be successful in that. So I I think it does provide you some flexibility um, based on what your roster looks like. I think even this year compared to last year, if I'm not mistaken, like your point guard was your, one of your bottom in those forward spots and your shortest player on the court was the other guy that was in the forward (laughs) spot, but it felt like more of fits based off of characteristic personality rather than size, which I think, Typically, most zones, you're you're thrown into a spot because you're either big or you're small. And, and even the center position, too. And you're 100 percent right. That's what we had to do this season. And, and it still worked for us. And the center, like we use that position more so our guys know where they go on the floor. When I say center, I'm not talking traditional NBA center right. or what most people think center It center is what 
player on your team fits those characteristics the most? Who can be ball and rim, low and wide, guard a drive, maybe take a charge, you know, maybe not as quick at, at the forward position to get out, but they're still active and physical. It's what, who on your roster fits those positional characteristics, not traditional guard, guard, forward, forward, center. What would you say are drawbacks or maybe negatives to this? And how do you minimize those? Yeah. Um, first and foremost is rebounding. Um, I mean, we've tried everything. We've gone years where we don't talk about it and just like, you know, think it, you know, just going to fight in there. We've gone years where we beat each other up every day in practice. Rebounding is just hard because of the positioning of our zone. Um, like I mentioned earlier, the center is always center position is always ball side 15 feet away from the rim. So if somebody shoots a three on the ball side, we have to work that center to the backside. And we practice that just with the centers. Um, we'll shoot. And when they're moving towards the back block or at least towards the middle of the lane, trying to be active in rebounding. Uh, but because we have very few matchup principles, we have to work a lot on going to try to find a body in your area. Our guards, who are a lot of times outside the arc, they have to have you know, habits where they can work inside the lane to help us go rebound too, even though it's easy for them to just take it off. And so I think the biggest uh, negative for us is rebounding. Uh, I think the second negative for us that we found ways to work through is just what do we do when an individual player is going off, right? Like when they're just, you know, feeling it, right? They're, they're on fire or whatever it is. Like, um, and so, but the zone is set up to do those things. We have ways where we can double team in the zone. So you imagine that top to wing pass, let's say the player that's going off is on the wing. Well, instead of the forward doing a, a bump, like we talked about, the forward just stays and we're chasing the guard and we can trap. And so we practice some of those things where in practice, where it's like, if number two gets the ball, the two closest guys are going to trap him. Um, and do that stuff. But I think those have been the two things um, that have been the biggest negatives. But we have found over time individual players that are really good against man-to-man that have a rhythm sometimes don't have that same rhythm against the zone because their shots are coming from different places. The passes are coming differently. They're getting different people running at them. And so that that lack of rhythm offensively has turned out to be a, a, one of the big positives uh, for our zone. Two others that I hear coaches ask about and maybe perceived as negatives or could potentially be threats. The first one is just a team that can just like shoot lights out. What do you do? What do you do? I, maybe you've, you may have, it may be things that you've already mentioned, but like, what do you do in a scenario like that? So I, that was one of my big hesitations, but we, you know, we've been doing it for, I think three years now as our base defense, you know, 90% of the time, whatever. And I think if you can eliminate the other things, I think it is so hard for somebody over 40 minutes in the college game to shoot it that consistently from three and beat you. I mean, we, we even say, you know, I mean, if they make 23s, but we don't give you free throws and we don't give you layups at the rim, that's still only 60 points, right? I mean, so like if we can eliminate transition, I think in the zone you foul less if we're doing it right. So we can keep you off the free throw line. If we can eliminate your layups at the basket, well, then even if you make 23s, that's only 60 points, right? If we eliminate the other. And so, um, I think what's hard as a coach is to be like, and Tony, you've done this against us, right? Like you guys make four straight threes. And so you're, you're always like, we got to get out of it. We got to get out of it. But then it's like, if we can just stick with it and keep going and maybe tweak a few things, maybe double team somebody or press a little bit or whatever it is, um, that over the 40 minutes, eventually you're going to come back to your averages and, and do that stuff. And so, so, yeah, and I think it's even harder for your players to have that same mindset too. Because even after, I mean, even our guys, we've been doing it for three years. And it's been really good. But 
like they make two threes in a row and, and they're kind of starting to look around a little bit. They're like, is it, you know, we might need to do something. And, and no, we've got to stick with it and keep going and, and, and do what we do. And, and we can shape, you know, be more aggressive and closeouts to certain guys and make some adjustments. But um, I, that was a big hesitation for us too. And, and I think over time we've learned that that probably um, wasn't as big of a negative as the rebounding piece, which is something that we're still a, a constant work in progress with. Yeah. Just from even having scouted some of the games and watching opponents, it's funny. Um, I remember even this year watching one and right from the very start, they thought that they were going to be aggressive from three and it went downhill fast. And I feel like the the law, I'm sure once every few nights or whatever, few games, there is a team that, you know, will hit 12 or 13 or whatever. But what I was commonly seeing was that wasn't the thing that was losing you the game typically. That's right. Because of what you just said you guys were taking away the other things and going to those four factors, you were able to hold and win those other, other three. And the fourth one wasn't a big enough margin to, to beat you. And I think Tony too, the other thing that we had to come to grips with that I think coaches kind of need to work through too, is like, so maybe the zone gives a team that maybe is lesser talented than us, a better chance to stay in the game. If they're making, they having one of those, you know, once, once a season nights, but the flip of that is, it gives us a much better chance to stay in games with people that are more talented than us. And that's the, that's kind of the trade-off that we had to deal with. When we were playing man to man, it was like, maybe there was less variability on the teams that were less talented, but we also didn't have as much variability with the teams that were more talented. And so we kind of aired on the side and said, Hey, this gives us a better chance to beat people that are more talented than us. Even if it gives us maybe a, a lesser talented team, you know, has that career night, you know, that once in a season night where maybe they hit 23s and, we're just going to be done for. And and we aired on the side of, yes, we want to give ourselves a better chance to beat the bet, most talented teams on our schedule. We felt like the zone gave us a chance to do that. This other one doesn't happen a lot at our level, just because the kids that we're getting at those center positions aren't that much bigger comparison to the guys that are on our team. So, you know, for, for coach Neely and I, our bigs are six, 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 five, you know, we're playing with That's these right. undersized, but every now and then we'll face somebody who's six, eight, six, 10. Um, yeah. We've got a seven footer on our team. You get somebody like that. What do you do with the teams? I've seen you do this before. What do you do with the teams that are just like, we're going to camp that guy there on the post yeah. against their smallest forward and throw it in. That's a great question, and that's a, a challenge for us for sure. Um, so we do what's called a swarm. We call it swarming. Um, and, and basically our center and forwards, and mainly the two forwards, but our center, if he's close to, we're going to go swarm that ball inside. And it also goes, goes back to the beginning, that those passes to those forwards need to be up top. If they're line drive passes because our center isn't between ball and rim, we can't go do it. But it, for people that you know that have tried to attack us that way, uh, we want to make sure our center stays between ball and rim. Those passes then have to be high and over the head. They're lob passes up towards the basket. And we are running both forwards to them. We want to try to be there on the catch. We want to try to take the ball from the big guy, get in his face. I mean, we know how officials are. If, if I'm 6'4 and you're seven foot, I can probably do whatever I want from shoulders down, and they're, they're not going to call much. you know. So we're trying to get in the body, take the ball from them, be aggressive, swarm those bigger guys, um, and make them kick out. Um, and, and that's been pretty effective for us. Uh, I can think of just maybe one or two times where it's really hurt us. 
Um, but most times we've been able to, to effectively swarm bigger guys. And a lot of times bigger guys aren't great passers in those situations too. And, and in how we play the zone, our guards are really trying to get in passing lanes a lot. And so when we do swarm the big guy inside, we're hoping we can turn them over on those kickout passes, uh, maybe even take it from them or make them shoot a contested shot over us, which, which we'll live with. But we call that swarming. And that means our two forwards are going to go as fast as possible on that lob pass and, and double team the big guy. Is it basically sandwich pin on either Correct. side? Yes, yeah, sandwich as fast as we can get. Um, we'll even send the center if we need to, too, um, wanting to get in their body and crowd their space. And we work a lot when we practice it um, during the season is not – we're not boxing them in. Like, we are sandwiching them in there. Like, get in there tight, walk into them, make them uncomfortable, make them turn their back, speed them up. And then where are the guards going? So the guards are going to try to read the passes out. Um, the ball side guard is going to try to get any kind of kickout pass staying on the arc. Our other guard can suck in some and help protect the basket so there's not just a, a dump-off pass at the rim. But it, it is not a perfect, like, yeah. you know, Virginia double the post, you know, that kind of rotation. I mean, it is more of a chaotic kind of scramble, go double them, fly around a little bit and make them uncomfortable. Okay, so that transitions into what I want to talk about next. We've been talking about rotations, and I feel like this is where especially what you all do is kind of like the secret sauce, the combination of the rotations and then the ramping up the pressure. Can you talk about maybe just like one or two of those examples of those and then also the ability that you have to combine the rotations with the ramping up the pressure? Yeah, no doubt about it. So this and this is what I really like about what we do is that there are multiple pressure options that can fall back into the zone. So we'll start with those first. Um, it's really simple to uh, two two one press um, back into the two one two zone. So you know the center position in our two one two is the back guy in the two two one press. If you can kind of picture that, the forwards, the middle of the two two one press, are our forwards in the two one two. So it easily just falls back into it. And then in the in the press, we have different options. We can, you know, like like normal 2-2-1 stuff. Like we can press or we can trap up top. We can, a lot of times for us, we're just trying to eat clock and not let you walk into what you've been working on and shoot around against our zone. Um, we feel like somebody different might have to dribble it or um, you've had to pass a few times to get into it. And so now we've only got a guard for, for us in college, the shot clock. We've got 20 seconds left by the time you get across half court. And it's going to be a lot harder for you to get into what you've been working on in preparation for our zone. So the 2 2 1 press back into it is really good. Um, we also can trap it in the half court. You, if you imagine those two guards that are starting up at the volleyball line, they're in a great position to just go trap the ball handler as they cross half court. Um, we could also trap on the wings. We talked about it earlier. You know, they pass that one from top to wing. We can easily trap the guard and the forward. And so there's some different looks that you can do in it. We also uh, do it sometimes out of timeout. Um, we can go zone to man to man in the same possession. It's really easy to do that too. Um, and we'll do that sometimes when the ball is driven inside the three-point line or passed inside the three-point line. We'll go right to one man to man defense. Um, and, and, you know, match up right away. And so we have these different options that we can ramp up the pressure. Um, but the, I think what makes it good and, and we can talk about it is just when the ball gets inside the arc, our guards are taking away the arc. They don't go with the guard, go with the dribble or the pass or whatever. And that's so different than a lot of zone defenses that I think it really, um, you know, makes the offense uncomfortable. So when the ball gets inside the three point line, whether it's passed or dribbled, our guards are defending the three-point line. So if you, we'll just take it from the top. If somebody you know dribbles it across half court and they go drive it 
from the top, our guards are going to what we call as a peel out. They're going to peel out and defend the three-point line and try to steal the pass. And so offensive players are so used to driving that thing in there and just an easy kick out. Or if they throw it to the high post, same thing. We're going to – our guards are going to guard the three-point line. And a lot of times people catching at the high post on offense are bigger guys that aren't used to passing. And so they'll throw it right to us sometimes. And so the secret sauce is really in our guards um, guarding – defending the arc when the ball gets inside the three-point line. So you combine that with pressing sometimes, trapping sometimes, and just giving the offense different looks so that they cannot get comfortable. That combined with a different-looking zone, it's been really successful successful for us – in a force and turnovers. The one that I love the most, I hate it when I'm coaching it, but the one that is, is the best, I think, is the quick trap at the top. Yes. Because of the angle in which they're coming and that that almost that pinning in from both sides, the guys will either pick it up and then you got just a dead trap there at half court, or then they'll try to throw it quickly over the top to a wing and your bottom forwards are anticipating that and they get a lot of steals off of that one. A hundred percent. That And that's our, I think our most effective one. We love it out of timeout too. Mm-hmm. You know, you just drew up what you're going to try to do and then we can just get you right when you get half court. Um, but, and I didn't mention that part. You're hundred percent right. So the, when we do trap, when they cross half court, the two guards will trap right in the middle there. Our forwards will press up and take away the wing pass and you keep your center constant. He stays 15 feet ball and rim. And so we should not get any, give up any layups at the basket. It's going to have to be over that center's head to go get there. Uh, but yes, that one has been good for us. And, the taller and longer guards that you have, we don't have many of those at our level like you talked about, but, man, if, if we did, I feel like it would be even more effective if you yeah. get even more length up there. But, uh, but no, that, that's one of our favorites too, for sure. Okay, so comes time for you to actually practice this early season, mid-season. Is it more five-on-five? Five? Do you break things down? Uh, you mentioned even, I think, like the swarm stuff. I'd like to hear like yeah. how, you, how you coach, how you teach that. Is that smaller or whole five-on-five? Yeah. But what do you like to do? to start it out, build it up from the beginning? And then as the season goes on, how are you repping it? Yeah, so small groups first, position groups first, um, which goes, I guess, I think traditional how you're supposed to teach, right? Like the that kind of stuff. But I think that's what's been most effective for us if we've learned through this. So we'll take guys that will we'll start learning the guard position first. We'll work on that inside hand, inside foot. We'll work on them chasing the pass over the top. Um, we'll work on them pressuring the ball. And, and it's literally, I have the ball on top as the point guard. The two guys are on defense. The next two guys that are getting ready to play defense will play the offense and we'll throw it over the top. And then they'll go chase it. They'll throw it back to me. And then they'll work on that one we talked about earlier where the offense has it on the wing. The defense is guarding them. They throw it to the top. We go up in the passing lane first, then to the ball. Um, we'll practice those just kind of core concepts first so they can you know get used to those and try to drill those just on air before we go live because they are so unique. You know, we try to do a lot of stuff live, but for, I think for these concepts, we've got to do those on air first. So we'll do those by position groups. We'll do the same for center, where it's just five of us on the arc, passing the ball, 15 feet, ball and rim, get there low and wide, get there as fast as possible. The swarming, like you talked about for the forwards, um, I'll, I'll take the ball, stay in there at the free throw line. We'll put a big guy, um, the biggest guy we have behind one of the forwards. I'll throw it up to him. And we'll practice swarming and trapping. So it's really basic, really elementary, working on those core concepts that we talked about, um, just drilling those on air. And then from there, we just go straight to five on five. But we'll script to the offense what we want them to do. So sometimes it might be, you know, hey, I want, you know, the, 
and we'll do a lot of times out of huddle so the defense doesn't know. I'll tell my assistant to go up top and say, hey, tell both big guys to just stay on the blocks, try to bury those forwards, screen them every time. We'll do a baseline runner. We'll say, hey, we want this guy to drive it every single time, and we'll script those actions that we want to see. And I think filming is so important in this defense because it's so new. The guards can't see anything happening behind them. Mm. And so for them to understand the full picture, film is the best way to do that. Or when they're out of the drill, having a coach standing beside them being like, hey, watch it. Do you see how this all works together? Um, because a lot of times guards, especially when they're outside the arc so much, think they're not doing anything or think think they should be helping and doing all that kind of stuff. And that's not what we want to do. And so film's a big teacher for this as well. Um, we do a lot of six on five. Once we get into the season, we'll put six offensive players and five defensive players um, just to put a lot of pressure on the defense where they have to scramble more and help each other and and really fight on the glass. Um, we send all six to the board so they can they can pressure them too. Um, we do this defense on baseline out of bounds, and we haven't talked about that, but we'll spend a lot of time on baseline out of bounds. Um, but we do a lot of, of different scenarios where we try to put the defense at a disadvantage and force those guys to figure it out. Like the the offense you mentioned earlier, Tony, where they put you know guys at each elbow. We'll do that and do one four stuff. And what I like about the zone I didn't mention earlier is I feel like there's only a small number of things you can really do to attack a zone. I mean, you're going to do short corner, or you're going to try to shoot three, you're going to ball screen us, whatever. And we were playing man to man, and we're trying to do you know five different ball screen coverage for guarding all these different actions. And by the time we get towards late in the year against our zone, you're going to have a lob, a base, you may have a ball screen or whatever. And we've seen most of those actions. And about four or five minutes into the game, that first media timeout, we're talking, hey, so these are the things they're trying to do against us. Let's make these adjustments and we're good. Um, and I really like that about the zone. It's reduced our scouting time and we're just talking a couple few core actions and, and we feel good to go. How about the baseline out of bounds stuff? Yeah, so baseline out of bounds, it's been good for us. We'll, uh, really quick, um, we put the forward on the ball, facing the ball, really active. Um, center has ball side block. Opposite forward has the, uh, the, has the rim. Ball side guard is close enough to get any ball side corner catch and be there on the catch. Opposite guard has the top or anything else on the perimeter. And so, um, and I know that was fast, but the one thing I like about our baseline out of bounds of defense, if we're doing it good. We are going to trap the ball side corner. Um, and so if you can imagine, you've got the forward on the ball, you've got the ball side guard close enough to be there on the catch. Um, and so if they throw it to the ball side corner, we're going to go trap that thing. And the biggest thing for us in the zone is we just do not want a one-pass shot. We'll let you throw it back to half court. We'll let you do that kind of stuff. But no layups, no catch-and-shoot threes. We, we will let you throw it deep. We want to protect the rim, and we'll try to trap the corner. Um, and trapping the corner has been good for us. Uh, if, if we're protecting the rim, a lot of people will throw it there, and uh, we can get a trap with a bigger forward and one of our guards. Yeah, that all makes sense based off of the half-court philosophy that you've been talking about That's there, right. especially with the no no first shots. I'm going to guess that people are going to – I would suggest first, those that are listening, go back and listen to this again because there was a lot in just 30, 35 minutes there. But I'm going to guess that there's going to be some, especially high school coaches, that are going to be interested in a little bit more in this. Can you direct them to where they can maybe contact you and, and ask some questions about this? Yeah, so we are actually, as an off-season project, trying to work on some videos to help uh, me talking through this. And, and, and Tony, you did a good job of helping facilitate because I get off on tangents and get different directions, and it's hard. Um, like, um, I think it's it's really good to see it after you hear this, right? Which and listen to a couple times and kind of get a feel. Now, when you go watch, you know what you're looking at. 
I think when, when you just watch it blind, you're like, why are these guys in different places? But now you have things that you can actually look for. Um, but we're working on some videos. We're probably a couple of weeks away from having those finished, but we're working on them. Um, and so if you go to PiedmontLions.com um, and, and you can click on men's basketball, myself and my assistant coach, Gavin, um, our email addresses are on there. You can feel free to shoot us an email. Uh, we're also on, on Twitter and, and that kind of stuff. You can reach out to us there too. Um, and we can let you know once we get those done. Um, we've tried to talk through it with people and email back and forth. And it, it just, I think that's hard. Um, I think the film helps a ton. So we're working on some videos that can hopefully uh, help coaches who want to at least see if it can fit your team. And, and, and I think that's something you've got to kind of decide. I mean, it is different. Um, we've had some people learn a lot about it and decide it didn't fit their team. We've had others at the high school level, middle school level, run it, and they've loved it. And so, um, and, and I think it has enough options where you can tweak it for your personnel. We've had some people do it, and they drop the guards back a lot farther. And they're really just funneling middle and just saying, hey, we're going to let, we want that point guard to shoot. So there's a lot of options I think you could use once you have the the, the base kind of figured out. But yes, feel free to reach out to us. And um, you can go to, like I said, PiedmontLions.com or reach out to us on social media or whatever, and we'd be more than happy to help. Just the ability, I think, to to make it your own because you gave a lot of options. And for that high school coach, they may not need to do all of that. They That's could right. maybe just focus in on, on a few things. And then, like you said, as you go along, I found with any defense, you coach it for multiple years, you make slight adjustments to it or slight adjustments based off of personnel that you have. And there seems to be a lot of versatility to this where you wouldn't think that there would be versatility to most zones. They look like what they are going to be. And sure, you can trap a couple places, but that's it. And and that's what I really love about this one for the coaches that are like, man, I can't believe he's talking to an opponent about this. Like, I know a lot about this and spent a lot of time studying this last and it didn't help. <laughs> it didn't help at all. Well, it did help. You guys it, had some great attacks against us, gave us some different looks that we hadn't it, seen all year. It so, helps a little, but my point is what I just said, you're able to do enough things out of this that it doesn't have to look the same. And there's, I'm telling you from somebody who attempted to prepare for this, like you can't prepare for everything. And I think too, this is a testament to coach Neely, the kinds of kids that he's recruited and the intensity and the, the way in which they played it, it doesn't matter if you know what to do against it or you have an idea what to do against it. You still can be effective with it. Well, Tony, and I appreciate you, man. Like what you do with this podcast too, man. I, I like, and, uh, but you guys attack it better than anybody. And, and these podcasts have been great for me out recruiting and, and passing those late night hours on the road. Yeah. I'm a better coach because of it. And, and I appreciate all you do for, for the sport of basketball and, Man, I we pull for you other than the two times we got to play against you every year. That's for sure. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Coach. That's Coach Greg Neely, head coach for the Piedmont College Lions. Coach, really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks, Tony.